I think it's harder for me to deal with. Like I am sick and going through a lot of difficult times. I can't deal with my mother crying and worrying. Then now I have to be responsible for, you know, making her feel better. I just couldn't do that. That was the voice of Claire Kwan. I met Claire a few years ago uh, in one of our programs, and I right away, with our first conversation, I just knew uh, Claire was somebody I was going to get along with really well. I am completely honored and, and stunned, frankly, that, that Claire joined us and, and wanted to have this conversation with us. It's a really, really good and important and, and hard topic to discuss. And uh, throughout the conversation, we talk about Claire's experience of having cancer and the choices that uh, she's made to um, share that information uh, with her family, both her, uh, uh, the family that she was born with and, and the family that she has chosen. And it's a deep and, and insightful conversation about what we do to uh, protect ourselves and, and what we do to protect our loved ones and, and what we do to make sure that we have the support that we need um, throughout uh, life experiences and, and, and the ramifications of those choices. And what can I say, but uh, uh, it's just something that I'm very, very uh, thankful and, and honored that Claire was uh, decided to share it with us here on the podcast. So that that being said, let's let's just get to it, and and I want to introduce you to the lovely Claire Kwan. You're in Los Angeles. Uh, yes. uh, how how is Los Angeles uh, these days? Uh, uh, two and a half years into a pandemic, I haven't been for a long time. How, how's LA doing? LA's fine. I think traffic is sort of back to normal. Like since pandemic started after like six to eight months. So it's mm. still bad. Me, um, I don't deal with it because thanks to pandemic that I don't, I work from home and that's the company policy. So I don't deal with uh, traffic anymore. Mm. But the interesting thing is I moved to a new neighborhood during pandemic and I still don't know my neighborhood very well because oh, wow. I don't go outside at I'm a, Mostly. <laughs> right. And, and L.A. is such a, a kind of city that requires you to really make an effort to go out uh, to see people yeah. even. <laughs> yeah. In interesting thing about L.A. is that L.A. is not a city. Like if you're thinking about a city uh, in terms of urban planning, like in old city like New York, that it's there you can go different places and it's on the way that you do something but la is a collection of suburbs there's no real city so that you only move from point a to point b you don't actually know what's between um, mm. point a and b so it's like a point to point uh, all the time so even though you lived in la for such a long time that there are so many places that I have no idea uh, right. what's there or who lives there. Right. It's it's, and I think a lot of the point A to B is to mitigate traffic. It's to find an alternate route to get out of a car. Right. 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 Oh, 
So fascinating. Uh, uh, I definitely don't miss uh, that part of Los Angeles. Um, yeah, uh, LA is such a funny place. But we're really not here to chat about LA. I'm I'm curious. What are we What are we going to start with today? What are we going to chat with, about today? Um, I can share some a uh, major big event that influenced me as a person mm-hmm. and. A persona in professional world too that uh, that really changed um, how I work, how I live, and what has changed um, in relation with others like families, strangers, um, friends. Wow! Wow! Okay, so big events. Um, may I ask what are we going to talk about? Yeah. So. Eight years ago, that we just I just came back from a wonderful birthday celebration trip um, mm. to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, um, and then you know health check was due, so I went in and um, did the thing, and they required some other exams that I need to go through mm. that we suspect certain things but don't know still and. People are really positive because you don't think you're going to get sick. Like that's, I think, a basic understanding or expectation of anybody that you don't expect that you're going to get sick. So I mm. uh, went through several exams and more stuff and I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So um, that's not in my life plan. That's not in anybody's life plan. Um, right. So then, I would, you know, first I thought, oh, it's okay. So what can I do now? So, and then, you know, they were talking about, it's like the, the interesting thing about cancer is you really don't know because you need to do surgery first and then check the grade of cancer and then you're going to have the next plan of action. So there is no real, like you can't really plan it out, which sort of, drove me crazy because I'm a planner mm. and this, mm. this, this doesn't work for me already. <laughs> so um, luckily the, the hospital staff was like moving really fast. So uh, like one after like diagnosed and then within two weeks, we got a schedule with a lot of doctors. Um, that's mm. going to do the surgery. So it was all good. And I was so naive that not thinking about the impact of what it means, I thought like, okay, if you surgery, you do surgery, then everything is going to be fine. So um, I only took like a week off from work. Wow. <laughs> so, so I went into surgery, was in a hospital for several days and came back. And the next day I said, okay, so now I, I, I will work. So, but I was actually working with the one hand because it was, the surgery was done on my right side. Uh, it was mastectomy. So my arms, like there was a big scar in the back and I couldn't really move. That's so major like, surgery. I, I know. Major, <laughs> major surgery. Oh my gosh. So I was typing with like one finger in a keyboard and try to work. And it was, it was hard. So one week off and then one week work from home and I went back to work, uh, which oh, is crazy. Oh my gosh. So, uh, okay. I want to, uh, this is eight years ago. Yep. Uh, 
how's your health now? Maybe let's start from there. And then I want to unpack those few weeks. Um, yeah, how, are, I, how are you doing right now? I'm, 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 I'm good. I, I'm good. Okay. Uh, I'm just dealing with general fatigue because I don't think that this is from cancer. It's, this is from just you know, working certain hours. And, okay. But you can see how I viewed my work that it's this like i gotta i gotta go and do these things and making sure um things needs to be done so i was going through that and then in the meanwhile that i'm meeting with like all our doctors that there's oncologists and um other other, other things so i had to went through all the things so i had like sessions of chemotherapy because in cancer land I was so young to have like unusual and mm, I don't have a family mm. history. So that it's better to do this. So it's so sessions of chemos, um, and then other like 28 sessions of this laser treatment too. That was, oh a, that was hard. So, but <laughs> I also work while I was getting, um, chemo. So, oh my gosh. <laughs> So I want to, you mentioned that you're a planner. So like in my head, I'm going, well, you have a to-do list or you have some type of plan. Did you go into your plan and just like add another line? Yeah. Uh, you know, deal with cancer yes. uh, uh, as, a, as a, you did. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I picked the, the chemo day, of, uh, like I think it was every two weeks and then put it as like a beat days with these meetings and then told the team that I can't go to client meetings on these, these days. So I kind of scheduled it that way. And then after uh, chemo, then I had a one month break and then I'll go to the next treatment, which is going to be 28 sessions of this. Oh my gosh. So things. I know. Claire, I'm, I'm, well, no, no, I'm, I'm fascinated because I, uh, fascinated maybe isn't the right word. I, I want to uh, better understand what it was like to be in that room and get the first initial concern what was going through your brain? What were you feeling? Uh, what were those two weeks like? You mentioned that two-week process of where I'm a planner. This is just a routine check. We get some news. And then you have two weeks of where you're really kind of sitting with uh, ambiguity. And mm -hmm. probably as, as a planner, but maybe there's some other stuff there too that how were those two weeks? How did it, how was it for you for that, that time that you got diagnosed and then just waiting out without really knowing for those two weeks? I, I think at that point my real focus was that there was no moment of sadness at that time during the time, because I, you know, it's just natural attitude to a lot of things that, okay, here's, the situation, let's go deal with it. And then these are the people actually managing a team of medical staff, like it's like a project management with these people. So what's the timeline? How can we get this? And how long is it? 
<laughs> so, so your 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 background of like uh, dealing with project managers, you're you're simply yeah. going, uh, what's the return on investment of mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. Uh, two week process? And then maybe uh, we've talked about this before. You're Gen X, so it may be yeah. that sort of Gen X angsty. Uh, I'm just going to power through, right? Yeah. I'm just going to kind of do this. Oh my gosh. So did you tell anybody? I, 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 I really didn't. And I think, uh, and then before the surgery, like a, a day before surgery or the weekend before surgery, I sent an email to a very close friends here. And just, you know, give them a brief. This is what's going to happen to me. So um, just letting you know so that you don't get any surprises at the end. So I did that. And my best, so everybody was really supportive. And, you know, mm. you may not know, but you may need our help for anything. But it's personal. So if you don't want to see anybody, that's fine. But... If you need anything, we're all here, which was like really <clears throat> wonderful. And one, uh, my best friend from grad school, she lives in a different town. Um, and then she called me and <laughs> I was at work. <laughs> she called me. Um, so I got her, her call. It was like during the work hours and we don't really do, we don't call each other during work hours. Um, and she's a workaholic too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she just said, Claire, and it was a silence. And I can hear she was crying mm. um, because her other childhood friend just went through the same process. Mm. Um, so she was crying. So um, I was, in a way, I, I felt very supported. Um, and then there are some people who came to the hospital in my recovery room and people were in tears too, but I wasn't really like so sad about it, but that really made me feel good mm. <laughs> in a weird way that I am blessed. I am happy. You're not my family, you're your friends, um, but you really love me. Um, mm. That. So that was that was a really good. But um, and then I told my brother who lives in Korea. He's an older he's an older brother, and but he's like me. So I I told him that I'm not going to tell our parents about this because I have I left home like 20 years ago. So mm. we only get to see like in person every two years. Or, or something and then um, we do I, I talk to them every week um, through Skype so we, we talk um, but in in-person meeting is not quite frequent and mm. since I left my mom like misses me so much but she doesn't want me to feel that like you know she want me to be happy and focus on what mm. I do though so she won't say things like I, you know, you should live uh, with us and you should have never loved it because she doesn't get into that. But instead, like she embellishes her memory about my childhood and always talk about how wonderful I was, which is not true. So you weren't, you weren't 
wonderful you weren't the golden child <laughs> I, I i was a good kid but there are like major things about how she how she describes me is one example is like i was like second grade or something one day i walk up and it was like so bright so you 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 feel something's wrong like why is it so bright because i have to go to school so so i checked and i think it was like 10 a.m or something like that so i'm super late for school so i was crying and uh went out and like crying and yelling at my mother like why did you not wake me up i'm late for school mm. and my mother was said your lunch box is ready in front of your room at the door and you're going to school i am not going to school because i already finished the elementary school so mm. It's why is it me on me that you're the one who needs to go to school, which is very true. But it's really brutal for second, second well, grade. Culturally, like an American parent would never let that happen. <laughs> I would American never heard. I would, yeah, would, I would never I would heard probably. Any, yeah. I've never heard about anybody had that experience. So since then. So I went to school with that lunchbox because my mom said like my job is to provide this because you can't cook. So I went to school shameful because you have to walk mm. into a classroom and that you're late and it's it's a big shame for a, a young kid. So what I did the next day is that I would put a alarm clerk next to my bed, one in front of uh, the door, one in the desk, so that it, in like five minutes difference. So I would always wake up without my mother or anyone else. So that's how I, you know, lived afterwards. And the way my mother describes like, you're so on point for everything and independence. Like your brother, I had to spend so much time making him get ready for school. And sometimes I had I had to run with him to catch the school bus and all these stories. But I never had to do that for you. It's like, mom, because <laughs> this is what you <laughs> right. did. <laughs> have you, I mean, did you have that conversation with your mom? Yeah. And, and, yeah. And but also like, remember. <laughs> there's like older child, younger child dynamics, all sorts of weird dynamics. It, uh, when, when your mom mentioned how much, she helped your brother. <laughs> mm -hmm. Where did your brain go? Did you go, what? I, I know. You helped my brother and you told me it was on me as a eight-year-old to go do my own thing. Oh my gosh. Um, I, I think I, my mother. I can see now why. You, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, maybe this is the beginning of you being a planner um, uh, is uh, the lunchbox episode of uh 1983 yeah. or something like this yeah but also um so yeah uh, your your parents and your brother are still in korea yes yep, they are okay and uh your mom doesn't really maybe share the same thoughts or talk to you in the same way that perhaps your your best friend did mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. when when they called um that's uh there's a lot to unpack there <laughs> there's a lot to think about and 
Um, your, your original diagnosis was eight years ago. Yeah. Uh, it's been eight years. Um, how, uh, how have you talked about it with your, your family since then? Um, it's, it's, it's the same. So, you know, told my brother and told, I don't want to share it with my parents because knowing that how my mother glorifies me as like a, such a precious child that, um, the way she's going to, you know, process the information is that she's, she's, she's going to pass out. She's going to blame herself because she doesn't know. She doesn't know. Your mom so, doesn't know. Your mom doesn't know. So, and I also oh told my brother, like, don't tell your wife because if you do that, she's going to tell mom. So my brother kept it just to himself and he agreed. So, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, Claire. So, Eight years later, your mom still doesn't know about this mm -hmm. very uh, traumatic, significant event that has gone through your life. And you've asked your brother to hold a secret mm -hmm. for you so that you're not the only one. Um. Uh, I, I'm I'm fascinated in the sense of your mom might have a hard time hearing about it, and yet, do, do you think your mom would want to know? No, and you don't think so. No, I I mean if I think it's more problematic if she finds out later. Because then it's really, she's really going to blame herself. So, totally. So, so now we, <laughs> <laughs> right. There's only later, there's only this extension of, well, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse the longer it draws out. And it's already been eight years. What does that do for you? That's a lot to carry for you, Claire. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, how 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 are you um, managing that? How are you, how are you holding that? I I I think when people in a way share they they are sick is because they want a lot of mental support so that you mm. you can get through this uh, and that there are people who are supporting um, and I think. I have a, enough people who care about me, so I do have right. a strong support there. So uh, my mom doesn't know about it is, I think, better. I think it's harder for me to deal with. Like, I am sick and mm. going through a lot of difficult times. I can't deal with my mother crying and right. worrying, then now I have to be responsible for, you know, making right. her feel better. I just couldn't do that. And because right. that's, that's another thing to do. Um, I wasn't like, a, I didn't think that I, I wanted to do that um, to begin with. It was, it was, it right, was, right. It was probably too much. You know? Right. And uh, in essence, you are, you're still choosing to have support, but you, you have like a chosen 
family, if you will, your friends, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, the, those that are very close to you. You're you're choosing to get support, which is which is important, and also, um, in this case, maybe also choosing your where you want to put your energy um, to remain as healthy as you can with mm-hmm. with a very significant uh, uh, illness. Um, so let's switch over to that. Let's talk about how you, over the last eight years, eight years have um, balanced. How have you been um, honoring yourself, supporting yourself, whether it's um, at work, whether it's with your uh, friends, your relationships? How has that changed your approach to a lot of these things that previous to that were very planned? Yeah, yeah. Speaking of planned, now, well, I have a really amazing, a lot of great friends here. Mm. And I, (laughs) you're going to laugh, I made more recurring meetings on my calendar to check in with the friends. Otherwise, six months in one year goes along. So now I have a recurring meetings with uh, friends uh, that someone is weekly, other person is a monthly, so on a different alternating times. So there's a there's a bit of Los Angeles there too, because in Los Angeles it's it's so hard to see I, 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 uh, best friends all over the city and yet they live in Glendale. Oh gosh, Glendale's a, a good 45 minute drive, <laughs> an hour and a half drive. And now uh, but I love that um for the planner in you, you set a reoccurring meeting in your calendar. It's very good. Um um in, in, <laughs> I appreciate in, it. So, in, in, term, in terms of work, so when I came back from, you know, I had a three month uh medical leave during my uh, radiation therapy because it's toward the end of the chemo that the medication is accumulated in your body. So first time is probably mm-hmm. okay, you can handle it. But toward the end, your body is really weak. And I was at a point that I could not walk. So oh. I totally empathize people on a crossroad that they are in the middle of uh, of this rose because they can't finish mm. it because I was one of them. It was really hard to mm. walk. So, well, so you know, from that time to radiation, I had a three months vacation. I mean, medical leave. Went back. So much work. Worked through about six to eight months, and then decide like I'm going to retire because I hate this so much. Um, mm. Nothing gets done, and. You know, I can't get out of this cycle of like part of this is me because I collect the work and I, I do things and I expect others working that pace too and things don't go that way. And if I do that, mm. people will give me more work. And that's been, you know, a pattern that, for me. Which is that, and, partially and my that if, that, right. And that, that lands on you. And um, yeah. So you, you retired. Did you really retire? Did you I, uh, I, I totally did. disengage? I, yeah. just, I totally disengaged. And what I was doing while going through the treatment and afterwards is um, 
there, I, I, I started going to the therapeutic yoga class, which saved me mm. so much mm. that it was like three times a week. And I built a relationship with these people and getting really interested and serious about considering like, I want to do that too, because thinking about how much of help and support mentally and physically that I was getting from this practice and those uh, practitioners. So um, in, in August that I retired, I am not going to do this. I'm going to focus more on doing yoga and how am I going to live afterwards? Because there is a great fear in me that if I don't work, that I have, then I have no health insurance and mm -hmm. the cost mm -hmm. of medical you know, services in America is extremely high. That that means you're not yeah. going to get any treatment because you just, you can't afford it. So I was thinking that what can I do? There has to be something that I should be able to do that's really anything but design. Like, I don't want to deal with this. Like, I, I, I want to do something else. Um, so like really randomly, um, we decided to buy a... Um, dry cleaner in Santa Barbara. Oh, wow. Out of, out of nowhere. I know. So, <laughs> and, and that's another two hour drive. Um, yeah. You know, and, if and you're lucky. Yeah. It seems like it's, it's, it's like self-contained. So it seems like we can hire someone and then my husband can go like once a week and run things and seems like don't need to be a full time, but we will have something. And so it was, it was in escrow and we're in Santa Barbara, um, learning about the actual operation of this place. So I was looking at this really small screen of, they do like the, you know, point of sale system. And this is how right. you do things. And things like, so I was like looking at these things. Um, and then when it was done that we're coming back and it, in the car that I realized like, you know, I wasn't really listening to this person. I was analyzing the screen and the experience, how bad it was and, you know, the choice of things and why it's confusing and like, what's the cost of this training? Like I was thinking that was all I was thinking about. So when it's, we came, uh, <laughs> pulling you back in. <laughs> so when I, I, after I came back, I, you know, sat on the idea a uh, while and thought that, you know, I hated the situation at that particular place with my uh, body at the moment. But the, re the, the, the real thing is like, I love what I do. Mm. I didn't like that moment in time, but that can't be the reason that I want to retire. I probably mm. need just to get away to really unpack what I went through because for that, it was almost like a year, like a longer than a year at that point that I didn't really have a time to mourn my body or tragedy mm. that happened to me because I was so busy. Let's get the treatment. Let's get the work mm. done so we can, you know, launch something, release something. And so I mm. wasn't really paying attention to myself and what it really means to go through this. Like, it's not a story of a triumph that you need to 
kind of acknowledge that this is a sad story that you should actually honor that um, instead mm. of like, okay, I can, I can fight over this and I'm going to conquer this. Like that's really not the right approach because it's always going to come back to you in a certain mm. form. So I think it was, it was just the, the moment of realization that, okay, so I love what I do. I am really excited about the things that I do. I love working with these people and I just need some time to focus and let this thing, you know, just process these like hidden emotions that I denied right, right. Um, for the past right. year. So just right. acknowledge it and process it um, so that that's, that's, so we decide not to do the business. And so we, you know, okay. cancel this girl and like, um, and then, um, in a weird way that a lot of companies and people were reaching out to me. I wasn't even looking for a job, but through different LinkedIn and places. So people were reaching out to me that let's talk, um, see if we can work together. So, um, it was a short six months of, sabbatical at the end which mm. when i thought mm. it was a sabbatical but it was a six month um and in that time that i really really spent a quality time with myself that yeah. and had a clear idea of like me as as a person and even before before that i was i i like my identity was you know i have a MFA in design, but before I had an like master's in art history. So I'm not like a, the traditional way of like design degree all the way out. So I'm coming from a different background. And then I had a, you know, second master's in design and that's how I get into design. So, um, mm. I was always a little inside of me. It was hesitant to call myself a designer because I'm not like so-and-so um, in my design group, because there are like the standard way of design of working as a designer for a long time. So I was not the famous that. way, right? Yeah, uh, the, so, the, the well-known narrative, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm not that, but that was the moment that I, re I really like cleared my mind that I'm a designer. Yeah. This is what I love. So, um, in, in an interesting way that gave me a, such a confidence in me to, you know, talk to these different companies, um, and then, you know, suggest things and the way I work afterwards, uh, I think it, I became a more proactive about, uh, really promoting the value of design and why mm. you should have a good design or why is it important mm. to hire a good designer at a certain stage of a business or, or for a team. So that changed the way how I deal with work too. I think it, right. it was great that I had this time to really evaluate where I was instead of just pretending that nothing happened and then move moved on. Like I, I did move on, but it's with cancer. So it's like something like new normal for me that 
Right. I am a cancer survivor. These are the things that now I look at different. So it feels like my life right. became richer after the experience. Right. Oh my gosh. And none of it according to plan. No. And I... Uh, none of it <laughs> from that sense of even, even the retirement phase. It sounded like it was... Um, a lot of series of things, lots of big things of pushing yourself, probably even before your cancer diagnosis, mm -hmm. of pushing yourself very hard, planning, trying to plan every aspect of your life, getting this sudden, significant medical diagnosis, all the trauma that goes around that. You keep pushing yourself right after. Mm -hmm. And then um, suddenly getting to this point of, uh, you know, it's either like breakthrough or breakdown. I need a break. Yeah. And so this exploration again, where you didn't really, I, I, it doesn't sound like you had a preconceived notion of what retirement would look like or what it would be, but it was this intentional slowing or really breaking some of your own cycles that I, I don't know if they were intentional or not. You were, uh, I imagine it was just a lot of yeah. stuff going on and you're just saying, I just need some quiet. And then out of that, these mm -hmm. random little explorations, these uh, different ways that you began to heal through yoga and to look outside of yourself and this gift that it then brought back to you. I'm... Uh, how much of that process of taking this deliberate and intentional time for yourself, um, how much of that is part of your approach now when you work with other people? Uh, does Do those things come up a lot as well? Not just the, here's how to do good work or, or you know, here's how to do Absolutely. this. Do how much of that comes up in your relationships? Because you're boss, you lead, you're, you're, mm -hmm. you're a people uh, leader. How much of that is now um, incorporated into your day-to-day -day that maybe before it wasn't? I am definitely a better person, more empathetic, because before I think I was more like a boot camp leader, I think because this is how I work, you should work this way because you know it's about the result. And now I, I, I still have a high expectation, but I, my approach is different. And I am openly talk about in certain cases that it's okay to be a C player at certain mm -hmm. phase in your life because mm -hmm. it's just one job. Like you're, this is not your life. So, you make sure to prioritize your life, not saying that work is not important because it's a fair trade. We get paid, so we need to do certain things and you can't just take advantage of a company paying you. So there, right. there, there's an expectation to do a good job, but still um, you do see a lot of young people having similar mind as I did that I need to excel in everything. And in that case that I, you know, try to 
make sure that people are okay. And if not, then um, at least I'm not another person, another layer to add to that self expectation. Like I am okay for, you know, C player at times. Like if you are comfortable to be a C player, that's a concern. Um, right. But there are, are times that you actually need to slow down um, because there are other things. And I try to be yeah. more self-reflective that I do a reflection every day, every night. Mm. I start with a meditation thinking about what's in my intention this morning like for today. I only focus mm. on one day a week. I still plan a lot of things. You know, there's roadmap that you need to work on more lectures <laughs> you do um, and vacation plans and things like that. But uh Outside that, I, I, I like to focus on everyday intention and generally try to have two or three things, two or three things that I want to achieve on that particular day. And then mm. end of the day, I, I do a self-reflection of like what was good, what I think there's some things that I could have done better. And I still struggle mm. with things like, there are there are times that the old me come out. Um, then you know I'm not always cool in certain meetings that I I would argue and attack people in certain cases, and then I realize <laughs> that oops, um, and then I you know go apologize. But um, at least that has changed a lot. That you know accepting. Mm. Uh, what's the best at this situation um, is a big change for me because before like circumstances wouldn't matter like it doesn't matter you you must do it in this way and I don't expect people to do it right. and I don't expect me to do it so certain things I'm deliberately choosing not to do much about it acknowledging that this is a weak area Right. You know what it reminds me of, Claire? It reminds me of uh, that person who would not, is not able to walk across the street mm -hmm. or those times and where an outward appearance might be, what a C player. Mm -hmm. um, but knowing those people, you would never say they're operating a C. They're, they're operating it beyond and A, they are way beyond that because of the the other additional factors, the context and the effort that they are putting in that we don't often see. And the planning uh, of wander, yoga, meditation, reflection is really allowing our our minds and our bodies to kind of be free and wander, and that there isn't any intentional direction. We don't approach meditation and say, okay, for this meditation, I need to get to point B. I need to get over to, um, uh, you know, Los Feliz today. Uh, I'm just going to draw, you know, it's all about that wander. What a, you've mentioned it, what a gift. Yep. What a gift they're, that they're, is very they're... hard, hard earned. Yeah. Yep. So it, <clears throat> whatever it is that people go through in, I'm careful about saying this because 
everybody has something that they're struggling with. We all have the challenges in life and things don't always go mm. to the way that we want. And there are different kind of problems and challenges, but you can't grade them on the same scale. Like me going through cancer is not any bigger than uh, someone who's going through cataract surgery, for example, because right. it's my own experience. And whatever it is, if it's mine, this is the largest challenge for me. Like, you know, cataract mm. surgery for someone else is not any smaller challenge than me going through cancer. I think that mm. really like help me to understand how to empathize with people so mm. that it's you can't like it it's everybody everybody is is kind of equal in that manner because my problem is the biggest problem of mm. all um and it it's kind of humbling and also interesting too that while you're not sure what's going to happen to my body next day or next year, because I'm still, you know, meeting with oncologists, I'm dealing with a lot of side effects um, mm. from treatment and surgery, but I am still planning for, I need to go to Istanbul because that's my place that I always wanted to go that I couldn't mm. go because of pandemic and because, and still thinking about career growth and what I can do uh, for design community because you cannot stop being alive. Like mm. whether you're sick or, you know, you know, tired or challenged, life goes on. Like you, you can't mm. stop that. It's, and then that's equal for everybody too, because We'll, we, we get the same one day at a time. And just because you're going through something that you can't just not plan or not work for the future uh, and still dealing with ambiguities and unknowns that I think I am more aware of the thing because no, now I know I can get sick uh, because mm. I just went through it which was, wasn't my plan, but I, I see that, oh, I can get sick. And what that means is that I may not be able to work. Um, mm. Mm. Yeah. I may not be able to go anywhere. Um, those are all the possibilities that I'm counting in, in my life now yeah. that there are things that I can't control. All I can do is just focus on what I can do at this moment. Mm. So that that's all I can do really. Right, right. Hmm. That's lovely. I have I have one last curious question. Um, imagine you got to have a conversation with that second grader who was late for school. <laughs> what would you tell that 
second grader, that, that little child, what would you tell them differently than maybe what, I would, what were your I, I will actually uh, talk to that child before pulling the trigger and make sure the child understands um, and, and if there are other suggestions um, or if there is any experimentation period of time so that it's not so abrupt and not the shock value of things. Um, I don't know why mom, my mother always did that, but, which was eventually, I think it was a great lesson for me at a young age that like I am responsible for my education or, you know, my behavior or whatever, <laughs> like mom doesn't need to go to school. Um, but, um, because, you know, whether it's, a, you know, second grader or, you know, 52 or 62, I think it's still important to have this alignment uh, and onboarding and negotiation so that we, we we share the vision together. So this is what we're going to do because of these reasons instead of like, mm, I'm not doing it and it's surprised that you're gonna miss the school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wonderful, what a, uh, what a wonderful way to reflect and honor yourself. Claire, I'm, I'm so glad we got to have this chat. It It's just been, um, lovely to know you in a different way, and and I'm really glad that you you hung out with me today. It's 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 just such a wonderful opportunity um, to talk about anything but design with you because <laughs> you're, you're 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 the industry experts in design, and uh, you know we always talk about design, and there's just so much, but it's just a step outside. And what about life, like? What yeah. what do you do? What do I do outside it? Because that really influences how we work, how we design yeah. too. Because it's our experience of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so true, so true. Thanks so much. Uh, I I look forward to our next chat. Thank Sometime you. Soon. Yeah, you're welcome. Bye. Bye.